Good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, my name is Hojin, and I am one of the pastors here. And I have the great privilege of preaching God's Word today. And in our Advent series um, this year, we're going through songs that were sung around the birth of Jesus. And Pastor Bill looked at Isaiah 42 last week, an Old Testament uh, prophecy, a, a song that look, uh, looked forward to the Messiah that was coming. And today we get to look at another song in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump right in. Uh, if you would turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. Yes, there are that many verses in the chapter 1 of Luke. Verse 67 to 79. Before we read it, I want to give a little bit of the backdrop of, of the story, the the setting is that an angel appears to a priest named Zechariah to announce that he and his wife Elizabeth would have a son. The only thing is that they're very, very old. Uh, In scripture it says they are advanced in years. That's a nice way of saying they should not have babies at that point. And not only was Zechariah a a priest that served in, in the temple, but Luke himself writes that he, he, was, he and his wife were blameless and righteous before the Lord, which is probably the, the greatest compliment you can hear in Scripture. This son was supposed to be named John, and we know him as John the Baptist. But Zechariah didn't believe. He didn't believe, and as a consequence, what happened is that Zechariah is made mute until the birth of John the Baptist. So our passage here today are the first recorded words from Zechariah. Right after John is born, his name is given. Again, our passage is Luke chapter 1, verse 67 to 79. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with me. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And Zechariah is now looking at his child, speaking to his child here. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray for a moment. Father, at this time, we we just simply pray, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So Zechariah's song begins with this phrase, Blessed be 
the Lord God of Israel. And Zechariah's song is often called the Benedictus. Uh, it, it's the translation for the Latin translation for the word blessed. It's the Benedictus. And this phrase, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, is used in the Old Testament nine times. And in each of these instances, it's a response to God's fulfilling of his promises. It's, it's an opportunity to praise him for the ways that he was true to his word. In fact, uh, Zechariah points all over the Old Testament in this song. And what does Zechariah exactly praise God for? It's that for he, for God, has visited and redeemed his people. When God visits his people, he shows up in a direct and intimate way to help them. God visited, it's the same word, God visited the Israelites when they were enslaved in Egypt under the oppression of Pharaoh when God promised to deliver them, to redeem them from their situation. So Zechariah is affirming that this Messiah that we heard about last week, that Messiah that, who is coming, that through him, God himself will be visiting and redeeming his people. So today, what, what can we gain from listening to this song, to reading this song, studying this song? I think Zechariah's song, the Benedictus, gives us three reasons why we must worship God for our, our salvation. Three reasons why we must worship God for our salvation. It's, it's obvious that we should be grateful during this time of Christmas, this time of Advent, to be grateful for Jesus, but exactly why. Why from the Word of God, not because everyone's a little bit happier, because Pastor Bill and Marla are dressed in red, because we hear Christmas songs. No, what does the Word of God say about why this salvation is so great and praiseworthy? The first is that our salvation is both personal and cosmic. It's for individuals, but also for the world. And Zechariah definitely gains personally in this, in this uh, situation, doesn't he? he? He receives a biological son. It's not just a son that gets adopted into his family. It's through his wife, Elizabeth, at an old age. It's a miracle baby when they should not be having children. And earlier in chapter 1, the angel speaks to Zechariah and says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Zechariah personally gains because his prayers have been heard, his prayers have been answered. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness. The angel promises that Zechariah will experience joy and gladness from God, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. Zechariah receives a first-hand experience of God's presence, God's work in his life. He receives this miracle child. He ex- just yeah, experiences fully the heavenly joy and gladness that is available through this Messiah. But Zechariah also sees how John's birth plays into the grander story, the grander narrative at God's plan at a cosmic level. In the song that we just read in verses 76 and 77, the idea is reiterated. A new child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare 
his ways, to prepare the ways of the Messiah. The angel gives Zechariah a glimpse, a picture into what it means to participate in God's redemptive story and God's salvation for Israel and for the world. John's life will have meaning beyond his years. In fact, if we read the Gospel of Luke, we continue to read it, we know that John actually gets beheaded because of the message that he's preaching, because of the ministry that he's doing. John will spread the knowledge of God's salvation to others. Verse 77, he will give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. People will come to know that their sins are forgiven because of this child. So Zechariah experiences personal benefit in salvation. He also sees the cosmic benefit in salvation. How about us? How do you view your salvation? Odds are we and me, I, I tend to think about how I have benefited from salvation. The peace that I received, the salvation that I received, the ability to enter into heaven one day, that I'm reconciled to God, that I can experience the joy, peace, and hope in this life. That by obeying Jesus, I get to receive God's blessings personally. But sometimes we stop short of of that point, and we don't think about the cosmic level. At the cosmic level of God's salvation, God is doing a greater work in the midst of everyone's personal salvations. He is working out a plan from an aerial view, from a bird's eye view, to redeem all of history, all of creation, a multitude of souls, all for his glory. But this is hard to believe in sometimes. And um, Pastor Bill prayed, but um, this was the front cover of the New York Daily News uh, the day after the San Bernardino mass shooting. This was the front page on Thursday. God is not fixing this. And while this front page headline is obviously jam-packed with uh, political agenda, it does communicate something about our human experience, doesn't it? That when we look out on the world, when we think about even what happened yesterday with the stabbing in London and the suicide bombs in Africa, God isn't fixing this. Deep within us, in our hearts, in our souls, we have this sense that life isn't the way it's supposed to be. This is not how we should should be living. This is not what we should be experiencing. And I believe that's a God-given sense. It's this aching and yearning for salvation that we have. The fact that we are pointing at God and saying, it doesn't seem like you're fixing it, that the world is doing that, is accusing God of not fixing it, shows that we are longing for a solution. And the world won't ever name it salvation, but the world is looking for it. The world is looking for a solution. The world tends to look for a solution that is within our accomplishment, within our power, within 
our ability, something that we can do, change, we can say, we can improve on the human experience. And for us, if we have read the Bible, we know that this solution can't come from us. That the problem isn't about the lack of gun control or the amount of war that's happening in the world or mental illness, racism, disregard for refugees, poverty or sickness. The problem is at a cosmic level. The problem is at the human heart. And Zechariah's song is very clear about it, that we need to be saved from our situation. It is through the Messiah that we get to be saved from our condition, from our experience, which points us to our second reason for worship, is that our salvation is both from something and towards something else. Our salvation is personal and cosmic, but it's also from something and towards something else. In verse 71, Zechariah points out that through the Messiah, God's people will be saved from their enemies and from the hand of all who hate them. And here, salvation is described in negative terms, that there's this negative situation that they need to be rescued and delivered from. And later in the song, Zechariah says that through this Messiah, we will be granted the opportunity so that we might serve him without fear. And here, salvation is described in a positive light. So instead of being under the oppression, the, the control of our enemies, the, the, the impact of those who hate us, we instead get to serve God because of the Messiah. Because the Messiah comes to save us, we get to serve him. Salvation always has two movements. It's away from harm and towards peace. It's away from brokenness and towards restoration. It's away from sickness and towards health. It's away from rebellion and towards citizenship. It's away from sin and towards righteousness. A lot of times we think about salvation as, I'm good, I'm saved from my negative predicament, my brokenness. But it's for us to turn away and repent of our sins, our rebellion against God, and move towards holiness and righteousness. In Zechariah's song, it says that we are saved so that we might serve him without fear. That phrase, without fear, can, I think, I humbly think that it could be translated as fearlessly. So it's not serving and not being scared. It's serving fearlessly. When was the last time you served God fearlessly? Fearlessly. Leslie. I can't say it. Fearlessly. When did you serve God so boldly because you were so confident in who he was and what he did? When was the last time you worried less about what others would think about you but more about God's glory and honor and praise. Sometimes we measure how we serve by what we think we are able to accomplish. But when salvation comes into our lives, we're able to serve in a way that is almost reckless, that is bold, that ventures out into situations and and places and people with whom we might not be comfortable. 
serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness. Being holy is to be devoted to God, to be committed to him. To be righteous is to be in relationship with him, to be intimate with him. For all our days, we will be holy and righteous before our God all our days. I believe some of our angst and frustration in this life is due to the fact that we aren't really serving God. And I'm not talking about serving in a ministry at Cornerstone Church or in the church that you attend. I'm just talking about serving God from your heart, whether it's in your workplace or classroom, whether it's in your home or apartment, or whether it is in the church. Are we really serving God without fear? Because that's what salvation came to grant for us, the ability to serve God without any fear of our shame, our guilt, without worry of our brokenness. And in serving God, we get to live into our design, the way that God created us from, from the beginning, if you read in Genesis, that we were created in God's image, that we were meant to live, to worship, and to serve him for all our, all our days. So the, this week, I, I had a lot to do. Um, and, of course, on Friday, when I had set my mind to accomplishing a lot on Friday, uh, I got a flat tire on, on Friday morning. The first thing I wake up, I wake up, get into my car, and the light is on. The, the tire pressure is not right. I look at it, it's, it's very flat. <laughs> it's not even, I can go for a little bit. I, I need to take care of it right away. And this interruption of finding this flat tire um, led me to go to Costco, one of the greatest places on, on earth. Um, and I was online waiting to just tell somebody that my tire was flat. Uh, when I finally got to the representative, he said, it's going to take two and a half hours just to look at the tire. And I'm thinking, okay, I have to do this, 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 this. Like, God, don't you know all that I have to do? Don't you know everything that I have to take care of today? And I started to uh, try to reach out for people to, to get a ride from Costco back home so I could do some work. I, I texted Pastor Danny. He, he was out. I texted Pastor Bill. I got no response. Um, <laughs> And I finally got in touch with a friend who, who coincidentally, who coincidentally was working from home that day. And he dropped everything, came, picked me up. It was right before a phone interview for a new job. But I was able to catch up with him. And he shared significant news. He shared in, in a short ride, like 10, 15 minute ride, he just shared what was going on in his life. And that's when I went, God, okay, if this is what you wanted me to do, then I want to believe that this was worth it. This is my way of being obedient to you, my way of serving you, if it meant to interact with this friend who by chance, right, there's no coincidence, coincidences with, with God, was working from home when he normally doesn't. In that moment of seeing my flat tire, I cared more about God serving me than me serving God. 
How do you view your interruptions, your suffering, your frustrations in your life? How do we view the, the, the tragedies and the, the, the turmoil that's happening in the world? Don't view it from a political lens. View it in a spiritual lens. This world is broken because we aren't worshiping God. We aren't serving Him. That we are affected deeply because of sin. So much so that God cannot sit idly. He had to send the Messiah. For those of us who have been believers for any length of time, are we moving and growing and pursuing towards serving God without fear, boldly, confidently? Are we exhibiting holiness and righteousness in an increasing fashion as we follow Jesus? Our prayer is that we are confidently saying at every milestone in our lives, yes. And even when I stumble and and fail, I will serve my God. The last reason for worshiping God for our our salvation is that the salvation that we get is both powerful and tender. Zechariah points that to us, that salvation is not merely an experience that we gain, it's actually a relationship with the Messiah who is both powerful and tender. Uh, These two pictures that Zechariah gives in this song I just absolutely love them. The first picture is in verse 69. And God has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is not like a horn, trumpet horn. This is a horn in, the ter- in terms of animals, animal horns. And uh, I got supremely distracted because I went on Google, YouTubed, horned animal fights. <laughs> My recommended videos are all messed up now. I'm getting weird recommendations. And I was looking this up. I, there was somebody sitting next to me at Starbucks. He actually got up and sat somewhere else, like five feet away, no joke. Uh, I think he was really like, weirded out, wondering what I was doing. And I was like, I kept going. I was like, Impala fight. <laughs> uh, rhino fight. <laughs> and then I thought about, you know, horns, right? And... I don't know why, but I thought about rams. Because when you look, if you don't know, their horns, they look coiled up, and they actually look flat. So I was like, you know, they're not as majestic. I wonder how they fight. Pulled it up. (laughs) And it's the craziest thing. (laughs) Because when you look at them, when they're not fighting, they look like the calmest, most gentle animals. They look just like sheep, except for that they have these horns. But when they get provoked... They are going at each other at the speed and, like, force that I can't even, like, you know, if you watch, like, uh, UFC and you go, ooh, after a hit, like, I was doing that by myself because these rams were going so aggressively towards one another. In the Old Testament, horns represented a source of power. So when Zechariah sings that God has raised up a horn of salvation, it means this indestructible source of salvation. It cannot be overcome. And just like the rams that 
are able to just fight each other with that much force. That's the powerful Savior that we get to follow, we get to believe in, we get to trust when we are saved by him. The second image that we get of the Messiah is that because of God's tender mercy, the sunrise shall visit us from on high. In that poetical language, God wants us to view the Messiah just like the sunrise. The sunrise doesn't impose on you. It comes on you gradually. And this morning I had the privilege of being able to wake up before the sun rose. And as I was preparing, just feeling the brightness of the world coming back. That even now when we look outside, there is no inkling of darkness. That is the type of Messiah. That that is the type of salvation we get to experience Salvation that is holistic, that is thorough. Not only is it powerful, but it is tender, compassionate, faithful. And God won't typically impose himself on you. He wants you to make the volitional choice to follow him. The sunrise is guaranteed every morning. There might be cloudy days, there might be rainy days, and we have yet to see snowy days. But the sun will rise every morning. The darkness of night cannot stop the sun from rising. And here, uh, here's this quote from Paul Tripp that I, I really, really love. There is one final thing, not my final thing, I have a couple more things to say. <laughs> There is one final thing you need to know in order to understand the grace that has been bestowed on you. You are loved by a dissatisfied Redeemer. He will not rest from, the work, from his work of grace until every last microbe of sin has been completely eradicated from every last cell of every last one of his children. He is absolutely resolute in his determination that every one of his children will experience the complete, complete spoils of victory he gained over sin and death through his crucifixion and resurrection. And Paul Tripp is talking about personal salvation here. I want to extend this into cosmic salvation. Jesus will not quit until it is time for him to redeem all of history and creation The salvation that you and I can experience today is powerful and tender through our Redeemer, through our Messiah. Our Redeemer is powerful to address the brokenness in our lives and in the world, and this Redeemer will not stop from bringing his salvation to completion, just like the sunrise cannot be stopped. In this Advent season, we are in absolute need to listen to Zechariah's song again. We need a reminder that salvation is both personal and cosmic. We need a reminder that salvation is always from, away from, enslavement to sin and brokenness and moving towards freedom to serve him, to worship him, 
And salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ, who is both powerful and tender. With these reminders, we can experience heavenly joy, peace, and hope. Just uh, one final reflection uh, on our passage today. I love that Zechariah gets a faith lesson really late in his life. This guy was a priest. He was doing, I'm guessing, a lot of reading of Scripture, even maybe teaching of Scripture. He was doing the work of maybe a, a praise leader. And yet he still needed a faith lesson. Zechariah struggled with faith in this angel who said that not only does God want to send a Messiah, he wants to give you a son and Zechariah goes, whoa, whoa, Messiah peace I could get, but not, not the son. The scriptures that Zechariah read every day pointed to God's efficacious salvation. But when it came down to it, Zechariah struggled to really believe for himself that God could provide for him. And I believe that God wants to address the gap between our our knowing and doing, just like Pastor Bill uh, reminded us last week. That in God's salvation plan, he often accomplishes his goals, his will, through unlikely and unexpected means, like sending a miracle baby to Zechariah, like sending his one and only son in the form of an infant to live 30 years of life faithfully to do three years of ministry, to be hated, persecuted, and crucified so that he could be raised from the dead to conquer sin and brokenness of this world. In God's salvation plan, it appears that God is remaining silent for 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But he was at work In God's salvation plan, it seems like today God is remaining silent in the midst of San Bernardino, London, and Chad. But will we believe that God is powerfully and compassionately at work behind the scenes right now? Today, we need to worship God even in the songs that we sing, the fellowship that we share. We need to worship because it's going to help us. Sometimes singing the songs on the, on the screen is good for our souls because we make it a prayer. We might not feel it right now. We might not experience it at this present moment. But we have to believe that God's word is good for it. His promises are true. Just like the sunrise, God's salvation will come. Will we express our trust in him by worshiping him and serving him? And I, pr- I pray that we will always be able to say yes, yes, and yes. Let's pray together. God, we come before you and we know that it is a confusing time to live in between your first coming, your son's first coming to the world and your son's second coming that your word talks about. 
It seems like you're being silent. But we thank you for the down payment that you give us in Jesus Christ. By sending your son Jesus to the cross, you gave that as a guarantee for us that you are good for it. That you will save us from the anxiety that we might struggle with today, from the worries, from the needs, the brokenness that we experience on a personal level, and the sickness and the strife that we see in the world. Though we cannot see it, help us to believe it. Help us to keep pressing in and and leaning into you. Because all over your word, you promise that you are good for it. That Jesus will not stop until redemption is complete. We thank you for a Savior that we can trust like that. And we thank you for our friends here who might not yet believe in Jesus. We pray that they will come to know you as you reach out to them in a tender way, in a compassionate way. But we pray that you would display your power to them. Become real to them. We thank you for our salvation and the salvation that is to come. Help us to worship you and serve you today in the midst of all that is happening as we fight to believe that indeed, God, you are good and you're faithful and you're true. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.